Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Monday. We've got a great show for you today. First up, one of the great national security minds in all of the world, Dr. Waleed Ferris. He's got a brand new book out, which couldn't be more promptly timed than right now with all that's going on with Hamas as the proxy of the Iranian regime. His book is Iran, an imperialist republic in U.S. policy. It uh, really explains the clash between what Iran wants and what the United States must do to protect Israel, and also the difference between what happened with Joe Biden versus Donald Trump on Iran policy. In the second half, we're going to talk to a fantastic journalist, Ashley Rinsberg, I think one of the most thoughtful people in analyzing what's wrong with the media. Now, he doesn't take talking points. He isn't just throwing bombs for a political purpose. He's trying to understand exactly why the media gets things wrong, why it allows bias to Trump neutrality, and sometimes inaccuracy to Trump accurate facts. We're going to have a lot to talk about the coverage of the first few days of the Israel-Hamas war, starting with the terror attacks and so much after that. Those are two great guests to dive in today, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Now, before we get to that, I want to turn to one very important story that we did today. It was buried in the thousands of pages of documents that the House Ways and Means Committee has put out. It is The FBI 302 interview report of a gentleman named Rob Walker. He is a longtime associate of Hunter Biden, and he played a major role in orchestrating the CEFC China deal between the Biden family and that large Chinese communist energy complex. Now, we know from an earlier FBI interview or IRS interview of James Biden that the family knew that CEFC and its chairman was directly related to the president, had direct ties to the communist president, the communist leader of China, President Xi. Now we know from this new document involving business partner Rob Walker that there was a $3 million payment from CEFC that came in in 2017. And uh, Rob Walker said, you know what? It kind of smelled and walked and talked like a gift. Why? Because there was no specific purpose for it. It wasn't meant to go in and buy something or pay for a service. In fact, this is how he said it in his FBI interview. The $3 million amount was more of a thank you from CEFC. They talked of putting together a larger group and discuss acquiring office space, Walker told the agents. Hmm. Now, there's another thing that Rob Walker talked about, and that is 
Well, that uh, he once gave a $90,000 loan to Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden uh, never paid it. In other words, it was essentially a gift. It never got repaid. That's another example. So as you step back and you look at Rob Walker's interview, you get a sense that maybe a lot of times Hunter Biden is listing things at loans that really were gifts or that were never going to be paid back. You've got some questions about the loans that are allegedly from Kevin Morris. You've got some questions about the $142,300 Kazakhstan money that went for a Porsche to buy a luxury Porsche. You've got the three-carat diamond. You've got so much going on. And now this $3 million payment from China, which Rob Walker said was more of a gift. It really was just a thank you. It wasn't a business expense with a purpose. That's really feeds and confirms the narrative that Congressman James Comer has been raising for months now. And it really undercuts the narrative that some in the Biden administration and the defenders in the media, the defenders in Congress, have tried to take, which is that, oh, all these were legitimate business expenses. Uh, Rob Walker, right in the middle of this, and a Hunter Biden friend, not as convinced of that. And I think that's a very important thing. If you want to go check that story out, the headline is gifted for son, question mark. Business partner hints money's loans to Hunter Biden were essentially gifts. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have, first off, Waleed Ferris to talk about the war in Israel, gunned by Gaza and those heinous terrorist attacks. What's next? What role is Iran playing? How does the United States get involved? Does Hezbollah get activated? We're going to cover all of that in a few seconds. Now, all this talk of war, all the instability in the world, both in Russia, Ukraine, Hamas, Israel, has a lot of people worried about the stability of the financial markets, which, quite frankly, haven't been performing that well in recent months. Inflationary pressures, high interest rates have a lot of people unhappy. Well, my good friends at Birch Gold Group have a very simple plan. They want to get you educated on how bringing precious metals, particularly gold, into your investment portfolio is an excellent hedge, a stabilizing influence in unstable financial times. If you want to find out how to do that, by the way, you can do it for your retirement account, something I never knew until I met the good folks at Birch Gold Group, particularly Philip Patrick. Well, if you want to take care of that and make a difference every day and learn about it and maybe integrate it and make the best decision for you, all you got to do is text the word Just News to 989898. One more time, Just News to 989898. That'll get you started on a great free, no obligation info kit that gets you educated, got me educated. I'm so much smarter after I got the kit. I love it. All right, folks, just remember that. Text the word Just News to 989898, and our good friends at Birch Gold Group, they'll send you that package today. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Waleed Ferris up next. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else 
who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. There's been so much going on in Israel the last week since those heinous uh, terror attacks. And a lot of people are trying to understand, well, what is this next phase of the military operation for Israel going to look like? What is Iran going to do? Are they going to be a proxy war here through Hamas and Hezbollah? Our next guest is one of the keenest national security thinkers in the world. He's the author of the fast-rising book, Iran, An Imperialist Republic in U.S. Policy. Now, that book is perfectly timed to the moment we're in today because Iran is really fighting proxy wars right now through Hamas and Hezbollah. Joining us right now, he's advised many presidents over the years, Dr. Walid Ferris. Doctor, good to have you back. Thank you, John, for having me in these important times. That it is. It feels almost a little perilous, but I think people understand that uh, in this in this battle between good and evil, there's some pretty clear uh, objectives here. I think sometimes, particularly the mainstream media, muddy up the projections or, or what Israel's trying to accomplish, and, and people get confused by it. Tell us what the actual focal point here is for the Israeli operation. It isn't an occupation, is it? No, absolutely not. The president is warning Israel that this could become a second occupation. I don't know whose advisors are, but that is not what Israel's intention is strategically. And let me explain to your audience something maybe new for them, which is actually what the Israelis want to do is the fastest operation they can implement so they can dismantle Hamas and how to do it. We all were wondering about why is Israel asking the Palestinian population in Gaza, two million people, why are they asking them to go back to the south or to stay in the south and not in the north because the israelis will move in without civilian population it will be one-on-one with hamas and we know who's going to win that war and then guess what could be this has not been said yet in the media what could be the next uh, stage the israelis will tell the population in the south now move north and when they move north hamas will be alone or isolated in the south i don't know about the success or not but that is to demonstrate that israel is going to be keen as not to create any significant losses among the civilians and this time approved Hamas. It is not said that the Israelis are going to stay. There are a lot of talks in the Arab world that I learned about, about the possibility of alternative 
to Hamas inside Gaza. We can talk about it later. Yeah, no, that is so remarkable. And that is going to be after, and, and Israel is going to prevail in the ability to get Hamas out of there. But that, that next phase is very important. Before we go there, I think the other thing that people get frustrated by, they get confused by, is how did we develop a university system and a talking head system with so many people that are sympathetic to Hamas and the Palestinians when the record of Hamas in the world is not one that that conjures um, uh, sympathy. It should be something that should be repudiated. Billions of dollars of Arab money. You did a book on this maybe a decade ago. All of this incredible lobby designed to put a spin on the Israel-Palestinian conflict, try to rebrand Hamas and Hezbollah. Can you talk a little bit about the billions of dollars that go in and how it's infiltrated, particularly the university system? Absolutely. This has been my own research for the last 25 years. I've uh, summarized this in a book called the uh, war of ideas, jihadism against democracy. The bottom line, John, is this was the initial battle line, meaning the oil-producing regimes that were radical, the Ba'athists, the Iranian regime, Hezbollah, and unfortunately Qatar at one point with the Muslim Brotherhood have been funding, I mean, large funding. You mentioned, you know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. Chairs of Middle East studies across the United States. There were large organizations such as the Middle East Studies Association of North America and many others. And through these instruments, they have been able to, number one, create those ideas, change the mind of students. And as I argued in my book, once you defeat truth in the classroom, it's going to spill over to the to the newsroom, to the courtroom to the war room and that's how a whole current now has been created across the united states coming from the campuses you know where you have professors where you have graduates and the graduates will eventually populate the newsrooms and will populate everything that would have an influence on american public opinion that it has been actually organized it's not just an overnight uh, development Yeah, it is remarkable. When you look at the countries that are most involved in trying to create that persuasion campaign, that influencer campaign, Qatar probably comes out at the top, but what are some of the others that have been involved in sort of distorting the records of Hamas and trying to make them look more sympathetic in America than the record warrants? Well, the first movement historically, because Hamas came from several organizations, one of which the main one was the Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Ikhwan. They have been, I mean, the founding fathers of Hamas, both in the region and in their own diaspora, was the Muslim Brotherhood. And unfortunately, uh, the Ikhwan in general, specifically the groups who were operating in the Middle East, and of course their propaganda machine here, they took advantage of the Cold War. Because they, at the time, were anti-communist, and that, you know, was supported by the West. That's why they migrated into the West, took positions in those uh, institutions and uh, academic uh, associations, and they were the ones who promoted the idea of Hamas as a liberation movement, not a terrorist organization. That's why you see thousands of people. I'm not talking about those elements who are supportive of Hamas and from the region. I'm talking about plain Americans who probably happen to be between the progressive and the liberal line, but even some on the right as well. It's a long-range war of ideas operation that the Muslim Brotherhood started and the Iran regime 
picked up on it and funding it. Yeah, it is remarkable. As we look out, there was a story on Just the News yesterday. The State Department and Customs Border Protection met yesterday. They have about 32,000 people that they feel like they need to evacuate from Israel and Gaza that are Americans or friendly to Americans. Took a week to 10 days to sort of get that operation into some form of action. And this was after we were promised that after the Afghanistan debacle, we would be more fleet afoot when it came to taking American citizens out of harm's way. We talked to a lot of American citizens in Israel when they called the embassy. They're like, you're on your own. Don't bother calling us. We can't help you. Mm-hmm. Is there still a broken system? And did the Biden administration fail to do what it promised Congress it would do after the Afghanistan debacle? Well, the administration is trying to do the best it can. So not to make the mistakes of the past. But the problem is not just the mechanism. Yes, we sent two task forces. They have enough resources to extract the uh, American citizens and maybe green card holders from Israel and from Gaza. It's going to be a challenge with Gaza because Gaza is a theater of operation. But with regard to Israel, they have the coast. They have Haifa that could operate uh, as they did in 2006 when uh, we, we evacuated Americans from Lebanon, when Hezbollah and Israel were also uh, in, in a war. The only problem problem that I see is do we have enough capabilities to distinguish anyone from Hamas or from Hezbollah who would try to infiltrate the United States through the evacuation? That's a major challenge. We don't have it here. We don't have it on our borders here. Will we have it in the Middle East? I don't know. Yeah, that is a big question. It's going to be an interesting few weeks to understand and suss out our capabilities to understand how well prepared we are for this. Obviously, your book has, I think, the best description of Iran's role, particularly as the the aircraft carrier that drives Hamas and Hezbollah as the bombers. What will Iran do in this particular moment? What are the pressure points? I'm sure it wants to do more to destabilize not only Israel, but the United States. But I guess the consequences are pretty severe if they do. Absolutely. Well, first of all, on the ground, once Israel moves into Gaza, and the Israelis know that, they're going to open fire from the north, yep. from Hezbollah. They're going to try to do uh, commandos uh, activities in the north. And they're going to try also to use the militias in Syria and Iraq, meaning widen as as wide as possible right. uh, pressure against Israel while Israel is busy in Gaza. But here's the most important point. Iran today is not like Years ago, there is a revolution inside Iran. This is the ideal time for Israel, for the United States, for Arab moderates to support that revolution and to stop Iran. So are you suggesting that the uh, uh, covert operation or covert war against Iran may be in everyone's interest and be more successful now? The chances of success greater because of the 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 instability, the labor strikes, the women uh, movement in Iran? There are, John, there are millions of Iranians. That's really because I've witnessed this for decades and decades. Yes. Today, there are witnessed uh, millions of Iranians who, from the Kurdish areas, the Azeris, the Baluch, the Arabs, and the majority of Persians, the youngest among them, and women who do not want this regime. And I really blame ourselves in America that we have not paid enough attention. We have not given them enough support. But now we may have to. If Iran wants to widen the war and become an agent of destabilization in the region, then we need to support the Iranian revolution. There is no question about that. If Iran gets more aggressive towards Israel, if there are direct strikes either from Iran or clearly instigated by Hezbollah, which has quite an artillery 
depot. Does at some point Israel decide uh, we're going to intervene on Iran directly? Would they declare war on Iran? Would they attack Iran to brush them back? The Israelis have no choice. If attacked by all these uh, armies of missiles and ballistic missiles and drones and long-range artillery and everything coming from their northern and eastern fronts, definitely on Hezbollah in a first move because Hezbollah is sitting on their borders. But right. second, definitely they have the ability now to take out long-range ballistic missiles in Iran. They don't need to do more because Iran is far from them. Even its artillery cannot reach Israel, obviously. And once the Hezbollah is weakened, then you're going to see a reverse process against uh, Iran from the outside. Right. Many people will rebel against them. And then you're going to see what happened inside Iran. Iran is strong in the first phase of a war. But once it is hit in its militias, then there will be a uprising against their regime. That is really the, the dynamic that has been setting up for the last couple of years, particularly. And it'll be very interesting to see what, what plays out. As you look out, Walid, over the next few months. Oh, let me ask one other question just on Iran. If uh, Hezbollah started to launch significant attacks on Israel while it's still sweeping Gaza, does the United States intervene or assist Israel perhaps by pounding those positions? Well, the United States has Hezbollah designated as a terrorist organization. That's what we know from our agencies and our laws and what have you. Definitely, if Hezbollah widened the operations against northern Israel and hit civilians, we have enough task forces in the eastern Mediterranean, yes, enough to evacuate U.S. citizens, but enough firepower to actually silence Hezbollah's launching path. That is a reality. But the decision is not just militarily. Right. It is a decision from the White House. Do they want to engage Hezbollah, upset Iran, and risk the Iran deal and the money of the Iran deal? That is a political question. We'll see. Yeah, that's a great question. And then I guess there's another question, too, which is as... Um, uh, Director Robert Mueller said many years ago in the FBI, Hezbollah has had sleeper cells inside the United States for the longest time. Uh, some sort of direct engagement on, uh, by the U.S. on Hezbollah could activate some stuff on our soil as well. Is that a cap part of the calculation for Joe Biden? John, let me share something I have not shared before because of factor time. I have taught and directed seminars to our national security That's agencies right. for years. You you know that. We I had do. actually FBI a model. Particularly, yeah. We, we had a model into when would Hezbollah start to activating their cells? What would trigger that? When would the Iranians gave those orders? We had slides on this. Well, that would happen if basically Hezbollah feels that they are losing the battle. And or if Iran feels that their strategic weaponry is out and they are open uh, versus their population. So we have to be ready, the international community, because the Iranians will go full-fledged if they feel that on the ground they have not achieved their goals. And that is what, why the United States forces and the international community should be ready for whatever Iran has prepared in secret. It's not just the ballistic missiles. They That's may right. have something other than the ballistic missiles that they could use before they go down, like the Nazis have tried to do before they went down. What Do you have any guesses from all the great work you've done? Is it a radiological weapon? What, what are some of the things that Israel might be tempted to, to, I'm sorry, Iran might be tempted to use if it felt like it was on the losing side of this battle? They, as far as we all know, in the public sources world, they don't have the big ones. They don't have the thermonuclear because it needs a big infrastructure. They don't have possibly the median nuclear, but what they may have bought with the money. Remember, we fed them with billions of dollars is to have bought 
tactical nukes. Yeah. It's also to have in their uh, in their ability uh, non-conventional weaponry system that they will keep in protection for the protection of their regimes until they get hold of the bigger weapons. That would be the area where all intelligence services should be working on because for Israel, one of those small weapons could be could be devastating because of the width of Israel. That's right. It's such a, it's such a small piece of land. Let's turn to the next phase. I think most military experts assume that Israel will prevail in Gaza and, and um, root out Hamas. The opportunity then is to not let another extremist organization fill the void, but instead install a political leadership that seems to want to, one, make life better for the Palestinians because they haven't fared well under Hamas, uh, and also to create a, a better form of engagement in the world and, and a peaceful engagement. Uh, when you look out and you handicap, uh, who are some of those players that might be successors to the Hamas uh, political military leadership in Gaza? Let's take the example of the Third Reich after it collapsed uh, at the end of World War II. Uh, the U.S. and the Allies actually occupied. But then what happened was they, first of all, took the control of the educational system because Hamas thrives over radicalizing and indoctrinating generation after generation. Now, do we have partners? Will Israel and the United States and the West have partners? Yes. Now is the role, would be the role for the Abraham Accord countries. Now would be the role of the Arab coalition. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, Jordan, Morocco, these countries have their own leaders of Palestinians who are working with them. So it will be an amazing architecture if all of that happens, that they will help in the, I would call it the condominium of Gaza with, with the Israelis and the international community to make sure that a new government is installed. Actually, the legitimacy is with the Palestinian Authority, but maybe many people don't like the Palestinian Authority, but maybe they will slice a piece of it. There are some leaders from Fatah who have committed, the younger ones, that they will go into a liberal democracy, but they cannot do it under Hamas. So this will be a chapter that will come later. But from now to mention it will give hope to many people that after Hamas will not be chaos, but a new Gaza and a new Palestinian society. It's such a remarkable moment. So many opportunities also, so much peril out there. For Americans who are sitting listening to some of this stuff that we talked about, it's pretty scary. And I know that it is. The handicapping what our best security posture is, particularly given what we've allowed our border to be the last two and a half years, the, the, the poorest border. Uh, how concerned should Americans be over the next uh, several uh, weeks and months? The public and, of course, all those who have been dealing with this matter, like, such as yourself and other experts in the field, should have been concerned over the past many years. That's right. The infiltration, the penetration, the setting up of cells within the United States has been going on nonstop for the last couple of decades. Significantly, they got more oxygen to move under the Obama administration the last four years, and the last three years were catastrophic, meaning we have, and you have been talking about it for, for, for centuries, uh, we have a movement going, crossing through the, uh, the Rio Grande without any control, without any vetting. It's not that we know that 1,000 jihadis are in. We don't even know how many they are in. We just know how many, the numbers of the uh, illegal uh, migrants who are going in, but we don't know what's in it. But the projections, where do I hear about the projections? From the jihadists themselves. 
when they go online, when they go on broadcast and say, we have now many militants among us who are inside the United States. And that's the part that is the most uh, dangerous. And it's just uh, Iranian Khomeini's jihadists or Al-Qaeda, but all kind of radicals coming from Latin America and elsewhere. And once they are on the inside, they will connect with the radical networks already present in the United States. So I'm warning ourselves, all of us, so we may have not seen yet the beast that has been able uh, to be funded by Iran, funded by the Muslim Brotherhood, and organized within the United States. And as I mentioned earlier in, um, you know, in the last few days, look at the operation by Hamas into Israel. 1,200 or 300 Hamas operatives, armed operatives. Look what they've done. Now you can imagine numerically that there are tens of thousands of potential jihadists and Khomeinists and radicals who are now within the United States. This is the most scariest projection that one would think of. Yeah. Oh, it is pretty scary. And it was all avoidable, right? We could have kept the border at, at the security posture that we had it at at the end of the Trump administration, and we would have a significantly better feeling in the pit of our stomach than we do uh, right now. It's pretty pretty remarkable. Waleed, for folks who want to get your amazing book, which, by the way, is so perfectly timed to where we are, yeah. Iran, an imperialist republic in U.S. policy. Uh, tell us what the best way to go do that. The best way for the book, very quick, would be Amazon. All the branches of Amazon, wherever you are uh, in the world. The second one would be to go to my all my social media at Waleed Ferris, you need to know how to spell it, W-A-L-I-D, Ferris, P-H-A-R-E-S, should be Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and then you could make a, uh, you can actually send a message and they will take care of you. You may also get your copy signed by me if that is what you request. That's pretty darn cool. And uh, folks, follow Waleed on all the social uh, platforms. He is one of the most important and I think insightful voices in the entire security space in the world, not just in the United States. He is so he's a central following if you care about the security of our country and the world. Dr. Ferris, always an honor to have you on. Your book is a, an extraordinary read and uh, boy, we're living in some pretty tense times. It'll be very interesting to see what plays out. We'll be sure to get you back on pretty quickly. Thank you, John, for everything. Thank you for your broadcast. Well, it's a great honor to have you on, my friend. All right, folks, at Woodyware, when we come back from the commercial break, we've got a good one. Ashley Rinsberg, one of the most thoughtful journalists, one of the great media critics, are really looking at the media constructively. Why does it lose its neutrality? Why has it been so wrong so often? Ashley's going to lay it all on the line right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day and I want you on this journey with me. Why? 
It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down. And my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. My next guest, I think, wrote one of my favorite books of the last decade, The Gray Lady Winked. It was a bestseller, and it really described on the long, rich history of misreporting, inaccuracy, and conflicts of interest at the New York Times. It, it is a must-read for anyone who really cares about the media. I don't want to throw the media out the door. I want it to improve itself and fix itself. This book, more than any other that I've written in, uh, read in recent years, put it all into perspective. The, its author, well, he's the co-founder and CEO of Alithium, a company that uses technology to measure media reliability. He's a great author, great journalist, great reporter, Ashley Rinsberg, and he joins us right now. Ashley, welcome back to the show. Thank you, John. Always glad to be with you. We love having you on because I think you have been able to do one of the most credible efforts at analyzing what's right and wrong in the media. So much of the media today and the truth watching is partisan, right? The, the liberals have their truth watchers and they pick on the conservatives. The conservatives have their truth watchers and they pick on the liberals. But very few people have been able to step above the trees, look at the full force the way you have done it. And whether it's the Freed case or Harvard or China and all these other different stories, Fauci, you've really been able to critically show where the media went astray. I feel like we're in another one of those moments now. I know we're we're talking about uh, Israel and Hamas, and that is the right thing to talk about after the horrific attacks. But really, the word that doesn't get mentioned enough in the reporting today, at least not based on my reporting, is Iran. Iran is the battleship, and Hamas and Hezbollah are just its one of its members of its fleet, the bombers and the carrier group. Why is the media so reluctant to report on Iran's role as the instigator in all of this? You know, it's one of these things that when you look at it, it's it's really hard to explain because we're not talking about some open or left wing or even revolutionary, uh, you know, in a communist sense, um, organization or, or, or state. We're talking about a authoritarian theocracy. This is the kind of thing that the media in theory is supposed to hate. And yet they have really gone out of their way to to 
I think, pave a route for Iran to be where it is in the world stage today. It is probably in part to do with the fact that Obama and the Obama administration and, and Biden, by extension, have made such an enormous effort bending over backwards to facilitate the mullahs in Tehran. And I think the media, in part, was just on board with that effort. Um, beyond that, it's, I think, very hard to, to understand why why they cover Iran the way they do, why we don't see as much. For example, we recently learned of Robert Malley, who was the lead Iran envoy in the administration, the Biden administration, was exposed just a few months ago as being part of an alleged espionage ring that was run by the Iranian government. This barely made headlines. I mean, there were one or two uh, newspapers that picked it up. It was originally reported in Semaphore. It's been silent since then. And that is a bombshell. My namesake, uh, Jay Solomon, we're not related, but he did some great reporting there. And it is a bombshell. It is a bombshell. And, you know, Congress has even been slow to react. I think last week was the most assertive moment in three or four weeks since the story came out where Congress said, you know, we got to look into this. But this if if this was at any other time in in American history, this would be the largest spy scandal uh, on the radar. Absolutely. If it was any other president or if it were any other country, I think, even if it was the current president, we would have, I mean, if you could imagine that this was an Israeli spy ring that was running a senior official or senior envoy to Israel, I mean, we would have complete wall-to-wall coverage for weeks on end and in-depth investigations and the op-eds and the podcast. It would be full-blown, but there's been absolute silence. And, And again, this is just one of these head-scratching moments of the media's Iran coverage. And we see that there are actual consequences for this, where you have an environment where the administration can basically get away with anything because the media is not holding it to account. So what happens is that you have a more and more assertive Iran on the world stage, and they're doing more and more horrendous uh, and breathtakingly audacious moves because there's virtually no blowback. I mean, the administration had just given, released $6 billion of frozen Iranian money back to the regime. And that was only weeks ago that they made that announcement. Yeah. Here we yeah, are. Amazing. Here we are. Backing Hamas. And people wonder, well, how do we get to this moment? The answer is, well, if you send signals and you send cash, um, uh, well, then uh, you may be authorizing, at least implicitly, Iran to act out. You get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. And yet uh, so many of the media were shocked when this happened. It's not shocking at all. The warnings have been uh, uh, clear for quite some time. I wanted to ask a little bit about the romanticization of Hamas. Uh, somehow, mm-hmm. despite its record, uh, despite its yeah. rhetoric, despite its heinous acts of the past, there's some element of the, uh, the traditional news media that continues up until the last few days uh, to have portrayed it as sort of a freedom fighter, a militant group fighting for freedom, as opposed to a terrorist group that indiscriminately strikes at civilians. And you know, really, the Palestinians in general, their leadership has been the PLO or the Palestinian, Palestine Liberation Front. They're the people that threw Mr. Klingenhofer off the boat back in the 1980s with mm-hmm. uh, created all of us such horror. Uh, and then that gave way to Hamas. So the tactics and the uh, the leadership of the Palestinian militant movement has really been resorting to terrorism for 40 years. But somehow in the last seven to 10 years, both people coming out of college 
and news media seem to have taken a very um, distorted view of Hamas, almost tried to romanticize them in some way. Yeah, I think it's it's this, uh, you know, the so-called woke ideologies where this narrative about um, anti-imperialism or anti-colonialism, and then we have, you know, the sort of devolution of power. And we went from the imperialist American-Israeli power, and now it's devolving power to the so-called freedom fighters of Hamas. And it's just a, it's a very convenient narrative, in part because it really enables the media to shift blame from the Islamo-fascists running the Gaza Strip to the Israelis to say, oh, this is an open-air prison, which what they're really saying is being run by Israel, not being run by Hamas. So Hamas are, when you, when you read about Hamas in the media, you hear that they provide social services and they provide mm-hmm. healthcare and they provide this and that. And that might be true in theory, but they are running a authoritarian theocracy where there is no dissent. There is, there is no questioning of that authority. There's no holding power to account for any failure. And the, the level of services that they, they receive in Gaza is commensurate to that kind of system. And still, we are not able to hold them to account or, or hold them to make them responsible for the kind of government that they're running, because this goes back again to the open air prison that is supposedly being run and maintained by Israel rather than by Hamas. Yeah. Very convenient circle of uh, logic. Uh, it is it is and you add in the fact that in this most perilous moment our border has been opened in a way or porous in a way that we haven't seen in much of our history you got to wonder who got here in the interim and and how safe we are even on our own uh on our own soil you do some great work on substack I, i think your columns are just fantastic and um, one of the things that you wrote about recently is that uh, Israel will never be the same. In fact, the paradigm, which had long been uh, that there was no upside to Israel in ever doing a ground invasion in Gaza, that would be a point of no return. Now it is imminent. We're perhaps going to see an inv- a ground invasion of Gaza as early as uh, this week. Um, talk a little bit about the, the the smashing of the paradigm. And this is really Israel's 9-11 moment, as its UN ambassador said, maybe the day of or the day after the attack. But there are paradigms changing that we haven't witnessed in our lifetime in the Middle East at this very moment, right? Yeah, the, the paradigm was that Israel was always trying to contain the conflict. And, you know, I, I think there was the, sort of a background assumption that Hamas would moderate if there was enough in economic incentive, in part because they're corrupt and the leaders want to enrich themselves, which is true. And Israel kind of allowed itself to be lulled into this fantasy that that is what was happening, that if we contain the conflict, so we, you know, we've been through, I don't even know how many, seven, eight sort of mini wars or, or border wars. With I think Hamas that's right. I think eight is what I count it, Right. So, something along those lines. I've been there for most of them in Israel, not in, not currently, but um, and each time the the notion was keep it to a minimum. The goal here is just in the, the Israeli term was to mow the lawn, which is means to to hurt Hamas enough to deter them from doing this again in a certain amount of time. They knew there was going to the weed would spring up again, but it wouldn't be devastating. You could just sort of keep moving through this cycle. That was the old paradigm, and part of that was about, you know, really working with within uh, global public opinion in, in mind to think, okay, we don't want to make people too angry at us, and we would, we don't want to look bad in the world world stage. What we're seeing now is that 
the dividend that was paid was the most atrocious terror yes. attack in Israel's history by far. Yep. Probably the worst attack on Jews since the Holocaust, basically a pogrom. And the world stage still is condemning Israel. We're seeing squares in European capitals and New York as well, and Sydney and Toronto, flooded with supporters of Hamas calling for the death of Jews, praising Hamas for these barbarous acts. And it never made a, a bit of a difference that Israel had worked so hard. It, uh, the harder Israel worked to try to to contain the conflict, what it ended up doing was keeping Hamas in power, allowing them to gain more and more momentum, more and more sophistication, better weapons. And we are, Israel is no better liked than it was at any part of this very long and very ugly journey. Yeah, it's... Um in in the Israeli approach to this was one part of uh, not by the impeachment but the perfect storm and the second part was uh, the Biden uh, really the Obama Biden team over a, a, a sixteen year period really easing enough pressure on Iran to have the resources to really create um, danger inside with Hamas and Hezbollah and I think now we're at that moment where this is the perfect storm. You said something very powerful in your Substack column, and I just want to read these two uh, uh, sentences because I think they are profound and accurate based on all the reporting I'm doing. Um, in the wake of a vicious modern-day program by Hamas, which is backed, equipped, trained, and funded by Iran, Israel will understand that relying on the Americans is no longer tenable. This will give Israel more room to maneuver than it has known, but it will also make Israel recall what it has always known in some way that it is the sole author of its own fate. Those are very profound words, but at this moment, they, they seem to ring more true than ever. Um, we Israel finds itself in this moment in part because of American action. The Joe Biden's language right now is all pro-Israel right now. It probably won't be there three or four months if this goes on very much, you know, goes on to a longer period. And that leaves Israel really to determine its own fate um, how consequential is this for the state of Israel right now? I, I think this is, even though it doesn't, people are not sort of casting it in the same kind of um, existential terms as the 1973 war, right. because it wasn't, it's not an attack by multiple armies at the same time that could just overrun the state. I think it is actually just as consequential, if not more. I mean, we are seeing, when, when I was first informed that this was happening on Saturday morning, I was told by my wife that there were 35 civilians abducted and, and being held in Gaza. That was a number I could not believe. Right. I could not believe that was possible. I could not believe that I was later told that there were children and babies being held and murdered. I could not believe that. I thought these are, these are obviously just, you know, rumors and hyperbole and whatever. Right. right. Not only was Flag that true, it was yeah. way worse, way worse for Israelis, for the psychology of Israelis living surrounded by enemies to know that you can be snatched out of your home and taken into some hellhole in mm. the Gaza Strip where you will be undoubtedly tortured, undoubtedly. There's just no question. And at best, return to Israel broken. That is something that will have a, a, an effect on the Israeli psyche that you can't even describe. I think it's, it's, it's sort of impossible to comprehend if you've never lived in a place as small and enclosed as Israel is. Yeah. So I think this is... As consequential as anything, I think it's probably only going to get more so as we see this pr progress, as Hezbollah is, is sort of 
you know, on the chain, on a very short chain for now, but ready to be unleashed. And they are the and real terror Iran, experts. I mean, Hamas is, you know, Hamas yeah. does what Hamas does, but Hezbollah are really the, the, the pros that Iran spent the most time training and in, in arming. And they're dug in. They're, they're dug in very well in southern Lebanon. They have, I think the estimate is 130 to 150,000 rockets that they can fire off. That's completely devastating. That would overwhelm the Iron Dome. You know, it is very difficult to imagine how Israel would fight those two fronts at one time. And then you have Iran trying to deliver weapons to Syria recently. Um, so, you know, this is as big as it gets for Israel and for the Middle East. And, you know, my fear is that you don't have the kind of American leadership that would be required to either calm the situation down or or sort of bring it to the kind of forceful head that would be needed to put out the fire yeah. quickly. Uh, I don't think anyone is looking for a protracted war here. It's not in anybody's interest for more civilians to pay the price of these terror organizations and of Iran's ambitions in the region and, and around the world, actually. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable. There has been a lot of testimony here in the United States about sleeper cells, about Hezbollah. And I think um, we sometimes sweep it out of the rug because nothing's happened. But if they were to be activated, the war front would be brought to our doorstep in addition to Israel. Do you think Americans have a, um, a clear uh, enough understanding of Hezbollah's embeddedness in here? I think it was FBI Director Robert Mueller I think it was back in 06 or 07. I can't remember when I covered the hearing. He said what keeps him up at night is the idea that Hezbollah would activate shopping mall bombs. But uh, there is enough people on this soil that are allegiant to Hezbollah or considered to be sleeper cells that they could do real damage. Is American Americans flying a little blind on, on the potential danger of that? I think I think America and the rest of the world kind of willed themselves into this fantasy that we we were done with islamic That's fundamentalism right. that we kind of it's over that was something from the 2000s it wasn't coming back we conquered yeah. it we won and it's not an enemy like germany was an enemy that that you can defeat the state and you can defeat the regime and it's over because it's an ideology it spreads it spreads through the internet it spreads through phone it spreads through anywhere that it gains contact um so I, I think that is an enormous concern. It, it's Hezbollah, it's ISIS, as we've seen in the past. It's dozens of other groups. And for for them, America is the main course. Israel is the appetizer. That's right. So I think there is a lot to be concerned about. I think it's not a reason, of course, to panic. But when you have an open border, you don't know who's coming and going. You've got no clue. And this is what worries people. It's not that people are anti-migrant. It's not that I think most people are opposed to the notion of families wanting a better life for themselves. It's these types of fears that That's we right. don't know. You don't have control of what's happening. And it's not a coincidence that what happened in Israel was the result of a border failure, yeah. a catastrophic border failure. So I think it's time to be, um, to be vigilant and to be, to keep a cool head, but of course to be, to be wary. Yeah, I think that is absolutely brilliant advice. I want to finish with something that I don't think a lot of people have understood well, but they do now. We look at what happened at Harvard or what happened at UPenn or at many of the universities over the first few days after this heinous and un unspeakable violent attack on Israel. And all of these young students and all of these young faculty seem to be um, almost trying to be an apologist for Hamas. That 
occurs because there was a decade or long, longer period of time where Arab countries funded uh, a propaganda and lobbying campaign inside the United States to change the language about the Palestinians and Hamas, um, Qatar, big funder, uh, Egypt, many others, yep. the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, the idea that for a, a decade or more, we sort of allowed this propaganda to get into our colleges, even into some of our K through 12 schools and really brainwash many young people into not realizing that Hamas is a dangerous group. Almost shocking, but it's a multi-billion dollar effort. Are people you think uh, now beginning to scratch at this and say, wow, we got to speak up. We got to stop this. Uh, yeah, I think this is you're, you're absolutely right. And people have not paid attention to this at all. This has been going on for 20 years and it spans the uh, the academy. It spans entertainment, film and television um, culture. So there is a ton of money that flows into yeah. these elite institutions. We, you, Qatar has Carnegie Mellon University, obviously a very good, right. very, very top university, has a campus in Qatar. Because why? Because they take money. So China actually capitalized on that same model. They probably did it bigger and better than than the Gulf states were able, able to do, actually. But but this is what we've seen where you've had chairs endowed at, at Harvard, Princeton, Yale, programs that have been created, departments that have been created wholesale um, from this funding. And of course, when you're getting the money from an autocratic regime, there are certain things you are and are not going to say about that culture about that the politics or or whatever it might be and and yes i think there's been an influence but i also think this is a, a lot about um the the woke ideologies on campus and these fake narratives about colonialism and anti-colonialism yeah. and it all just gels so nicely and back to your point about the romanticism it's it's been romanticized um, they don't know what it really is. They didn't experience 9-11. They didn't live through the horror of it. And they, they're they able to wear rose-tinted glasses when looking at these issues. That's yeah. their privilege. Yeah, <laughs> that it is. Yes, we, we've created a privileged and misled college electorate or maybe a college uh, graduate body. It's it's really remarkable. Uh, Ashley, for all the great work that you do, whether it's on Substack or your books, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with all the great work? I, you literally are one of the most impactful investigative journalists today. Uh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, yes, yeah, Substack is a great place. Uh, I'll be focusing more there. I, I think it's also, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but the shift to independent media, which I think is amazing. Um, it gives me a it's lot a liberating of liberating moment, for isn't it? Media in general. Yeah. Sorry? It's, it's a liberating moment for those of us who are. Uh, absolutely. 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 It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, 100%. It's disruptive in many ways. Well, yes. That is good stuff, and uh, I can't wait for your next book, too. I'm sure you'll do another book one day, and we will be all the better for it. Ashley, we love having you on. We're going to get you on a lot more in the next few months because I think there's a lot going on, and we need to seek clarity in an era of a lot of obfuscation. So you do that with Fexon. So thank you so much. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, back at you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. 
Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden, debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to Waleed Ferris and Ashley Rinsberg, too. Very thoughtful and learned guests today. Boy, there's so much going on in the Middle East that we have to be concerned about. It gives me a little discomfort, Pepsi discomfort in the stomach these days. All right. Speaking of wanting to find comfort, be sure to go check out the great offer that our friends at Birch Gold Group have for you. Text the word Just News to 989898. Just News to 989898. You get a free info kit that teaches you the best way to integrate precious metals into your investment strategy, particularly in this volatile time in the traditional markets. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Until then, God bless you and have a great night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. 
Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.